Welcome, everyone, to the TKW Podcast. I'm Anthony Corbo. Joining me, as they do every single week, are my co-hosts, Kyle Maggio. What's going on, buddy? Just trying to stay mellow over here. Oh. It's not, it's not, it's not very often we get to use uh, topical mellow references anymore. So No, it's not. It's, it's a great one. It's a great day, at Kyle Maggio on Twitter. Also joining us is Brian Giberman. What's going on, man? I have not been very mellow on Twitter recently. You have not been. You have been a <laughs> been a very angry man. That's at Brian Giberman on Twitter. He's been the last week and a half, man. You have just he, been. He's been unleashed, uh, uncaged, if you will. Uh, it's a legendary tear. No, it's not. It's terrible. Reminds me of a, a shark who hasn't fed in a few days. Yeah, that's uh, – man, I feel like you've been repressing something, and now it's just – it's taken on another life Dude, here. I spent, spent a um, lot of time watching the Knicks, and they have the yeah. game in a really long time. And I know people want them to lose, but it's just super, super frustrating. It's been pretty. Yeah, on, on that note, real quick, before we get into all the fun stuff, because there's a bunch, um, small thing that I feel like we don't get to talk about enough because it's just not coming soon enough yet. Uh, I, I miss Chris Dapps, Porzingis. Just playing 2K earlier today, and uh, KP was healthy. You know, this is the 2019-2020 season in my GM mode, and uh, we were just going nuts. You know, we're just blocking six and seven shots a game, and and alley oop dunking on people, and pulling up from 40 feet for three. And uh, God, I miss that guy. That, that that's all I got. It was just a just a thought. You can follow Kristaps Porzingis at KPorz. I think that's how it's pronounced. That's right. I enunciated in my head. I'm sure everyone yeah, yeah. listening to sure. us is not going to be following Kristaps Porzingis on Twitter. <laughs> well, it's just my way of segueing into saying you can follow me at Corbo Anthony on Twitter. Also, make sure you're following the Knicks Wall. Make sure you follow TKW Podcast. We should probably start using that account a little bit more, but you know. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channels. Uh, you know, subscribe to our Twitch. Just look up the Knicks Wall. You'll find us. Uh, head to the Knicks Keep in the know. We got previews. We got recaps. We got features. We got people dissecting these things you see on the court every day. And you're not going to find better coverage than what we got. So, uh, on that note, where do we want to start today, guys? Are we going to... You guys want to talk a little bit about the Ennis Cantor stuff that's going on? Apologies for ruining your excellent transition with a joke. That was mean. <laughs> oh, it, it was buried in my headphones, so I'm going to graze right past it, and you can do whatever you want when you edit this. Thing. Oh, no, we're leaving it in there, but... <laughs> okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, but Ennis Cantor. Gibberin. No, you're 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 fine. You're fine. It's perfect. You're you're a wonderful co-host of mine. <laughs> now, Ennis Cantor is no longer in the rotation. He's the only player tonight against the Heat who got a DMP. Like, literally the only... They emptied the bench, but yeah, and it, There were probably the most vociferous cheers I've heard of this season of people rooting for Ennis Cantor to come into the game. Here and in um, Brooklyn. 
Yeah, Brooklyn as well. It's, I mean, it's been pretty relentless. You could you could hear it like over the broadcast at a lot of points too. He's, I mean, what something's got to happen with Cantor now. I mean, Kyle and I were taught we're doing the two uh, KW show uh, earlier today, and we were talking about you know just what to do with Ennis Cantor, and Kyle is pretty much an advocate for you got to get him out of here right away. And I kind of said that, you know, there are certain deadlines that the Knicks can do whatever they want to do, you know, up until then. But just looking at how some fans have reacted so far, it's like, I think you're right, where they got to try to find a resolution for this kind of thing ASAP, because it's not good for the team chemistry. You know, like, they they could. The thing is, like, I don't think anybody's super wrong here. Like, uh, I've said it the last couple of weeks that while I don't agree with the antics that Cantor has continually put forth here, I understand that he is a 26-year-old um, in the right role, impactful basketball player, and he was due for a payday. And um, I don't know what numbers he thought he was going to put up this year. I'm not going to sit here and assume uh, it was going to be like some sort of egotistical monster season, but I assumed he thought he'd have a normal role, as did we. And, um, you know, go and part ways at the end of the season amicably and get a payday elsewhere but um they went hard into developmental mode as they should have and um you know he had opted in and it's nobody's fault i get why he's frustrated and wants to play and um i also understand why management is taking their time too like i, I don't think that they should be pressured by uh Cantor wanting out and wanting to play although you know again i he's entitled to to feel that way but um you know i my thing that I said in the, the 2KW show was when it starts to get out in public like this and you can't really take care of it in-house as much as you'd like, you know, it's, it's best to find a resolution quickly. And I think that goes in hand with um, us wanting the culture to be better and changing and attractive to free agents as you want to see if the team's trying to be accommodating to players and doing right by them when they can. So I like that they're trying to get some I, – I think that's what they're waiting for is they're just trying to trade him. And if they can't, I think they're going to buy him out. So I don't think they're – there are nobody's you know, watch here. There's nobody's time here but their own. But uh, I, I think that's why they're they're being patient. I get why he's frustrated, but it's, it's just a shitty situation for both parties here. It, I, it has to end. Um, the most fascinating part about all this that – I see is how the media is covering it and the amount of one benching Cantor isn't tanking. We have mountains of evidence. The Knicks are better when Enos Cantor doesn't play. Secondly, it's the way it's getting framed. Like the Knicks got out rebounded in the next game and they were hurt on the defensive glass. Do you know what you have to be doing to be able for the other team to get an offensive rebound? The other team has to miss a shot. So correct. They were they were actually getting stops on defense, and all of the defensive improvement is basically not all, but Moutier being Moutier and Cantor being out is really helping the defense because you're getting you now Burke is basically an even, but you're getting Burke with Mitch, Mitchell Robinson playing behind him instead of Moutier playing with four trash ba- three trash bags and Noah Bombay. 
So Burke's not being as harmful as Moutier was because of the line, the different lineups they're playing in. And there's this like groundswell of support for Enos Cantor. Like Howard Beck today said that and criticized the Knicks for not playing their best defensive rebounder and inside score. Uh, Brian Mahoney made a joke about take the don't take the over because there's not going to be able to be any scoring. And he ended up being right. But when the Knicks were getting stops in this game and the offense was moving and getting out in transition, they actually did all right. And then who I mean, then the local beat guys, Popper, Bondi, Berman, were all spinning this in a way. Not that they're doing Cantor wrong, but that it's not good for the team that he's sitting. And this is, I think this is the smartest thing David Fisdale has done since the season has started. And it's the most encouraged I've been seeing the type of lineups and how they're trending a little bit more towards modern basketball with all the wing scars. This is as positive I felt about the team all year with what they're doing right now. Yeah, and, and two things, because the first thing um, about the the little media parade with Cantor here is to to their credit, at least for the Brooklyn game, he absolutely could have played like the 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 point that they brought up, like he has absolutely crushed the Nets in the three prior games before this. Um, I think he was averaging something like twenty two and a half points and like fourteen rebounds. And they weren't empty points. Like he's actually I mean, he was very effective in those games for the most part. So Brooklyn I understood completely. Like, even if you hate cancer, I, I don't care. It was It's true. They could have used him, even if it was for 10 or 15 minutes. They could have used him in the Brooklyn game, especially when things were getting out of hand and it was just Burke basically playing one-on-five on the offensive end. But, um, you know, tonight, I don't understand it because the game that they played in Miami, and again, it was just one matchup, but um, Cantor got just abused by Hassan Whiteside and uh, Bam. So... I don't like it, it's one thing if he's just missing shots, but like he couldn't get rebounds and he's a very, very good rebounder. Like that is objectively the thing that he's like that. That's the thing he's best at for sure. Like whether you like him or not. And uh, he was getting just bullied and pushed in Miami. And um, so tonight I don't understand it because to me, this was a just a terrible matchup for him um, just at the center position. Those guys owned him. So the Brooklyn game, I understand, but um, here I did not. And I think the second thing, um, what was it? You, you said something about the, oh, the, the system, basically, like him starting to develop a modernized system with, with the rotation he's basically putting out. Like, we complained about that, like, what, two weeks ago? Like, that was what was disappointing with Fisdale, is there's the lack of an identity. And it's like, now we're kind of starting to see that. And I like that, and I'm enjoying that. That's all we really wanted, you know. And we knew there was going to be experimenting, and I think that just went longer than we would have liked. But it seems like they've started to make up their mind about guys a little bit more now. So, um, and I think, Brian, you noted even earlier that um, about Fizdale going to pull Trey Burke out for Frank a little bit quicker. No, that too. He waited too long. Oh, he waited too long. Yeah, he did the thing when Burke was making shots, so he left. Frank on the bench and then Burke missed one shot and then he missed another. And right when he missed the shot, I wish I was sitting there somewhere. I would have went to them. He's about to put Frank in the game. And less than like three seconds later, Frank came off the bench. Fisdale is very, it's very easy to figure out when he's going to put guys in and out. I feel like. 
And one thing real quick on the Cantor uh, point on whether or not they could have used him tonight. Like, it was pretty clear that they didn't need him. Like, you know, they obviously got everyone else in the game, and that's fine. But at the very end, like, Mitch had seven rebounds tonight. You know, he's been able to become a somewhat – he looks somewhat more capable as a rebounder out there. Four of them were offensive, and he only had three defensive rebounds, so he still has a lot of work to do in getting a position and you know, in that sense. Unbelievable. But, he only gets offensive know, rebounds. It's fascinating. Right, but, like, obviously that's, an, that's a hinge in this game. That's something he's going to have to work on to be an effective center. Uh, but, you know, as for tonight, he, he still finished with seven rebounds. Like, that's okay for – yeah, you know, what for him coming back from the last couple of games, but uh, Noah Vonley also had nine rebounds. Like the Knicks definitely got out rebounded tonight. Uh, what, what was it, thirty nine to forty six? But it, it just, you know, the way that the game was going, it didn't call for Cantor to be in there. Like they were controlling what was going on at the center position. Whiteside finished with what, like only thirteen points. He was, you know, he had his issues out there. He was, he had foul trouble. Uh, you know, they, it was it was a fairly capable game. Bam Adebayo didn't really have. You know, he went three for seven. So I just I didn't see the need for Cantor tonight. And I guess. anything the Heat centers are getting isn't really like the, Mitch is making a wrong read here and there and getting himself out of position. But a lot of it is how the Knicks' defensive scheme is dictating the ball end up in the center's hand and them either get a clean shot at the rim a kick out for an open three or a, or a little dump off to another player because of how Fisdale's having the Knicks basically do the old big three heat pick and roll scheme where you either trap the ball handler or you show when you're trying to force a turnover, take away the passing lane, you're making the ball handler give up the ball. So that's leading to the bigs having the ball in their hands a lot. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, Let's let's kind of look at the other side of the thing with Cantor. It's where a lot of it has come down to what the discussion around him has been like. So we have there was one particular tweet that came out today from uh, a certain Howard Beck uh, talking about how the Knicks didn't play their best rebounding center tonight or something. Did anyone have the, that tweet on hand right now? Yeah, I think I actually I think I read it though. The whole thing earlier, but hold on one second. What did? Oh, he, for some reason, it's not available when I. When I did you get blacked? No, it's not showing up for anyone when you type it in. I see it. You got it. The one that says, "And they refuse to play their best rebounder and inside score." Yes. Right, so he was he was uh, replying to Brian Mahoney, say that Clyde asking how people can think Knicks are tanking. They have three guys drafted after the first round on the floor in crunch time. It's certainly not hard to wonder. And then Beck responded, and they refused to play their best rebounder and inside scorer. So I kind of, like, obviously everyone has their opinion to how the Knicks season is going, but I kind of want to, like, I'm just left wondering where, I guess, the general fan base is standing on what the Knicks should be doing right now. It seems like there's a pretty big divide amongst a lot of fans who think that the Knicks should be trying to get as many wins as they can or the other contingency of fans who think that the Knicks should be trying to find where they can improve their team and what they should be building towards moving forward. I, I feel like the idea of development can have two different meanings to two different kinds of fan bases. 
And I think that can be an issue when sometimes you have media members who can kind of play on that and pander to one side or the other. So do you guys, I mean, do you guys agree with me that you think there's kind of a divide in how the fans are thinking about this team right now? Uh, yes, but it's, it's not in, in like a, I don't know. It's not always in like a, a wins and loss kinds of way, you know, like the way I see it is I'd like for them to win a little bit more. Because to me, that is important to building a winning culture. Not to win, go out and win like 30 games this year, but, you know, it, a little bit more than they're winning now. I'd like to see them play well and close out games and learn how to do that. I, I don't want to just sit here and see them get the, you know, their brains beat out every night either. That's not fun. And, um, you know, we can root for individual stats all we want, but we want to see them play good team ball together. There's a lot of rookies we want to do well. So I'd like to see them all play well together and, win some games and I understand that a lot of fans just want to lose and teach their own but I I can't right now with that so the way it's kind of getting painted right now is is the the lack of of wins is I I guess wasn't planned is this what we're doing the media spin thing where it wasn't uh they're basically saying that the Knicks weren't they didn't expect this like like nobody saw this coming even though everybody saw this coming we are, everybody saw this coming. Like, every, like there's no denying that they, nobody thought the Knicks were going to win 35, 40 games this season. Right? Well, some, some people actually did. There were people in our mentions. Uh, they were criminally insane. One guy told me that despite a 15-win roster, they could win 35 because it's the Fisdale effect. So um, just batshit crazy people. But continue like but what did what 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 would give people that impression i'm genuinely i'm genuinely curious because i want to get like figure out more of the mind because we overvalue our own prospects perpetually but like i mean i get kevin knox right but like he didn't like i get being excited about him i get looking at him as a prospect moving forward like but like we know that christoph's porzingis was going to be out like this is this is known this is a known quantity like I, are these are these the same people who are thinking that like Kristaps will be back by Christmas? Like, you know, even at that point, what? How many wins do you get at that? And I mean, like, then look, you're looking at what else? Like, Ennis Cantor sure is probably the most talented player on the roster right now, as far as where he is in his career. But it's like, it's not talent that builds towards anything productive as far as getting wins for this team. I so either way, if you play him or not, I don't see how you think that's helping your team win. And the rest of the guys need time to figure out how they're going to, you know, what kind of players they're going to turn into and how effective they can be out there. There's just, there's, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time understanding how, you know, we can look at this roster and say, yeah, they're going to win 40 games this year. So Stefan Bondi from the New York Daily News, kind of what we're talking about here is he tweeted, the idea that the Knicks planned to be this bad from the beginning is totally disingenuous. It devolved into this because everything went wrong. I'm I'm actually on the other side. I don't think what Bondi said is wrong. I think the very important word in there is there's this bad. And I thought this exactly. might have been incapable of winning like 28 to 32 or like 25, 27, something. Fun, fun bad. What was that? Fun bad is what I like to call it. Yeah. Like, and with some... But this is worst team in the league bad. I do not think the Knicks wanted to be worst team in the league bad. I think they just wanted to be normal bad. So going after him about that, I do think is a little bit unfair. 
Yeah, I thought that's kind of why they kept going after the reclamation projects. Because to me, I thought you're going low risk, high reward, first of all, on, on all those guys, which I thought that was just from a, a talent evaluation perspective. I thought that was fine. And I thought they figured they'll hit on somebody or a couple of them to, to some degree. And that with the kids and, and Timmy hopefully taking a step up, they would be kind of like fun bad, like that 28 to 32 win kind of range where, you know, they're scrappy. They're going to be in a lot of games. They're they're still going to lose a bunch, but that kind of team. And early on, it looked like it might be that. But I think that maybe they miscalculated. Like, I think they thought his was probably going to be more of a player than he has been. Like some of those guys who are still young but are trending towards that veteran status, I thought they probably thought some of those guys might be better. Maybe Moutier's a little further along despite that nice December he had. So I, I, I agree with you. I think they definitely thought they were going to be bad. Um, I just didn't think they thought, like you said, it was going to be this bad. And um, reading is hard for a lot of folks, and I know a lot of people want to get fired up with the media. Um, it's never that serious. I've been on this this Nick's Twitter thing since the beginning. I made my Twitter account in 09, and I uh, silently followed along and watched this, this feud begin on Twitter to what it's got to today. And uh, everybody's got to relax. Um, when when the Knicks consistently show, and, I, and I'm not saying that the the media is absolved of everything. I understand that they do do some poking and prodding, like Bondi, for example, will do the uh, the Nets and Knicks update counter on the on the wins for the season. And uh, there's no point in that because there are two different spots in in their rebuild, you know. And the Knicks kind of got forced into this immediate rebuild with KP going down, whereas the Nets had a couple of years to kind of scrap and claw their way back. It's just, it's not, you know, so I get that kind of stuff. But um, mostly I, I think there's a lot of pushback when anything negative comes from the media, even if it's warranted. And I think we just got to kind of really ask ourselves if, uh, is, is this fair? Is this objective? Like really reading that Bondi feel like you said, it says this bad. That's, that should mean something, you know? It shouldn't just be what it gets conflated to, and I think that's when things get a little bit out of hand. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think, like like you said, not not, not league worst bad. So before we, uh, before we move ahead here, I do want to ask you guys just to jump back a second. Uh what do we think about the... We didn't get a good Cantor reaction from this game. Uh, but we had... I, I just want to touch on the couple of... Uh, the Mario Hazonia moment with him the other day where he had to come over to him in the huddle and tell him to uh, get the fuck up and cheer. Uh, and then we also had Mitchell Robinson pinching him when it appeared that Cantor was daydreaming. And Cantor looking genuinely pissed off afterwards. Uh did you guys have a particular reaction uh, when either of those two things happened? Yeah, he just needs to not be on the team anymore. So I think it's really it's that it's Fair. just that simple. Fair. It made me appreciate Mario Zoni a little bit more, to be honest with you. Yeah, that gave me a little that breathed a little life for him. Gave him a little. I, I think there. I think that's the problem is you know we often have to separate like the guy from the player, and you know I think I think Cantor's genuine, genuinely a good dude. I understand his antics are a little bit selfish but um I, I think he's a good dude but it's just not 
the right fit, you know? And, like, the same thing for Mario. He actually had a really nice game tonight I wanted to touch on soon, but um, he's just not been good this season, save for, like, five games, that Lakers game tonight. I think there was a Bucks game the, the first week of the season. You know, he's had a couple of moments, but he's mostly been bad. But the person that Mario is, good dude, cool dude. It's just tough to separate. It's like when you want to root for guys and they just they aren't that good. It stinks. My All right. Well, oh, sorry. Just Brian, before we leave Cantor, and this is a question to both of you guys. Why do we think he's getting like he's had situations in other places and it just didn't it blew up a little bit, but maybe we're just closer to it. But why it feels like he's getting treated like a like a superstar player when he's a seventh, eighth man and this stuff shouldn't be covered in-depthly as it is. It reminds me a little bit of, like, what I heard about how he exited Utah. You know, like, it's it just... He really seems to, like, force his way out of there, and like, it just feels like he has a way of, like, talking to the media and, like, getting support going for him. And, like, especially, like, not only just the media, but, like, enact, like how he interacts with fans and things like that. I think he's really good at drawing support for himself, and that kind of, you know, in a way builds him up to be a little bit more valuable in some people's head than he really is, you know, on the court or in the eyes of certain teams or as, as far as prospects are concerned, but, or assets, but yeah, I, he's, he's definitely got a certain sensibility about himself. That that was a very prudent point. That was good. Um, Kyle. Yeah. Any, anything on that? No, that's actually pretty well said. I I just think he's going to end up being a, a bench scorer again. I think uh, maybe to your point about him trying to up his value a little bit, I, I think probably playing next to KP last year as a starter and them playing mostly pretty well together. Um, I think that probably got it in his head that he's a starter. He could probably get starter money. And um, I, I think ultimately he just ends up kind of back in a an, an OKC role. You know, I, I think he's, that's just where he's going to be successful. I think you can't leave him out that long. So I'm interested to see what happens with him. All right. So we are going to talk to our friend Xavier in a moment about uh, a certain message that he received on Twitter. But before that, uh, it's been a bit of an up-and-down season for Tim Hardaway Jr. as evidenced in the last couple of games in January. Um, we're all kind of sitting here wondering if he still lives up to his contract, if he outperforms it, or if he's going to underperform. Uh, Harrison Liao wrote about that at thenextwall.com. You guys can go check that out. Um, Ty Jordan also has a column on Alonzo Trier and Mitchell Robinson getting back in the lineup. He talked to us a little bit about that. Uh, but keep an eye out on that, and you'll see it tweeted at the Knicks wall as well. Um, so we are here with Xavier at This Isn't Zave on Twitter. Okay, so let's let's kind of go back a little bit to last week. You There was a game. This is last Wednesday, January 23rd. The New York Knicks played it against the Houston Rockets. It was a game where James Harden scored 61 points. It's also a game where Alonzo Trier scored 31 points, and there was a blown possession at the end and everything. Um, the Knicks put out a tweet that says, tough one down the stretch. And this is a tweet 
that you, Xavier, responded to, that's, and you said those last two defensive possessions and that Vonley turnover was elite tanking. Salute. Uh, do you want to kind of take us through <laughs> what happened after you sent that tweet from there? All right, so... I mean, I'm a Knicks and a Jets fan, and I have been pretty much my whole life. So all I have these last four or five years basically are tanking jokes. Yeah. So I, I decide... It, it's all we have for content these last yeah. couple of years that we've been running the podcast. So yeah, I so, I mean, I just put that under there. Obviously, I know these guys, they're playing. They're playing as hard as they can, which has actually been, like, decent to watch, especially, like, more recently. So I know they're obviously not trying to lose games. But I put there that as a joke. I actually didn't I didn't realize until after the fact that all those guys were tagged in the tweet, which is I think how Trier saw it. <laughs> um so I just like threw that comment out. Yeah, yeah. And that went to uh Trier, that went to Hardaway and yeah, Moody. Yeah, I did not realize that until after the fact. But I just put that tweet on there, just thought it'd be funny, and then someone responded to it. Um I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said something about Trier. Um I was like thankful like Trier like messed up or something like that. So then I responded Again, that, like, him ducking under that screen was, like, great. And then I think that was the one that really set Trier off because that's when he, like... I didn't I didn't see it initially because I don't have, like, my DMs on for everyone, so it was, like, in a, the request. But right, right. he responded to me, and, like, he responded and had, like, a screenshot of Trier DMing him. Then I noticed I had, like, a DM, and then I noticed it was from Trier. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, like, 11.45 on Wednesday night. So wait, you see, you see this, and yeah, it's like eleven forty yeah. days on it. You see this, and you see like, do, do you have to like take a second to like, like read it over again? Like you see like the check mark next to his name and everything like that. You're, are you just like, are you like sure that it's really him, or, or do you think it's like a fake account at first? At first, I thought it, like I saw his name in it, but I thought like you know maybe it's like a fan account or something like that. And then I see, yeah, I see the check mark. Then I see like like the handle, and I'm like, oh, this is definitely him. So I'm like, all right, like, let me see what he's saying. So then everyone's seen what he DM'd me. And yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. Well, you gotta read it. Read it for I mean, anyone who hasn't seen it, please. <laughs> so I, I, it says and it was be supposed careful, to be You might not be able to read some of this. Yeah, no, I'm going to censor okay. myself. Don't, don't you worry. <laughs> it was supposed to be a switch, dumbass. You think I just <laughs> let blank walk up and shoot a three? SMH, y'all fans don't think. <laughs> the, the dumbass was what took me out the first time I read it. <laughs> Two separate words. Like, you could just, and the thing was, there was, there was no commas, no periods, nothing. He just kept texting right after that. So that's yeah. how I knew he must have been. Like, you could read how angry he was when he put dumbass. Uh, yeah. A single, like, a singular thought process, it seems like. And then just send immediately. Like, pay, paid in no mind from there. Did anything happen from there? Um... Or what's your initial reactions after you, like, process the actual DM? So I'm, like, the first thing I see is I just, like, I couldn't stop laughing initially. And then I'm, like, do I want to respond to him? And then I couldn't. Like, I don't know what, like, happened, but I couldn't respond to him. But I wasn't going to say, like, I wasn't trying to, like, bait him. I wasn't really trying to troll him. Like, I was just, again, just telling jokes. And I thought it was, like, kind of clear from my tone that I was, like, being sarcastic. Um this is pretty, and it's pretty obvious that this is the only release that we have yeah, as fans. Exactly. Right? Like, we can go on Twitter, we can make jokes about it, we can get this off, and it's like, this is how we can manage to watch, you know, 10 games over a 45 yeah, game period. Exactly. You know? or 10 yeah, games. like, the, yeah. For the tweet that I responded to that's like him ducking under the screen to ensure that loss is like, 
thank God he made like thank God Shiva made up for leaving by made up for like him scoring that layup to go up by one by leaving Gordon open for three. So it's like very clear that the guy I was talking to was also joking. So I thought that would have come across very clearly, but he was not particularly happy with me. So first I was like laughing at getting the DM, and then I was like a bit confused because again, like you said, like he had 31. So I know his mentions were full of like nothing but positivity. And like somehow he... Right. Did you feel bad at any point, like before you sent this, thinking like it is his career high of his rookie year of this famously undrafted rookie, you know, maybe the criticism can wait or were you just ready to fire it off because the jokes are greater than the facts? Yeah. The the jokes have always been greater than the facts. Jokes are greater than the facts, of course. Yeah. So when I, I mean, when I screenshot it and posted it, I like, I have over a thousand followers now, but I didn't then. And I tweet a lot and like people don't really pay attention to my tweets anyway. So, like, I figured I'd post a screenshot, and, like, I know I have, like, people with, like, some high-following counts who, like, follow me. But, like, I thought, like, people would find it funny to get, like, a couple of retweets and likes, and that'd be the end of it. And, like... <laughs> they talk about you in practice. <laughs> no, that, yeah, no, that part killed me. But, like... <laughs> Is this just your story of your rise to fame? <laughs> like, are you, are you, like, doing, like, a Cody Parkey right now or something, where you're just gonna go around and tell the story on all the talk Honestly, shows Honestly, I'm kind of glad it's, like, kind of dying down, because... Like, I've, like, long said, and, like, I'm sure I have tweets about it, but it's, like, the more followers you have, the more the idiots you have in your mentions. So, like, I don't like... This is... Yeah, so, like, whenever I have a tweet that goes, like, somewhat viral, it just leads to, like, people being morons to my mentions, and, like, I can't stand it. So, like, when I woke up the next morning, because I had, like, I'm in grad school, so I wake up, I had to, like, go to bed because I had class the next morning. I wake up, my friend texts me, and he's like, you're on Deadspin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like he like texts me because he's like going like he's working like a normal like nine to five and he like texts me and he's like you're on Deadspin I'm like you gotta be shitting me and then like I look at my my phone and like you guys know like when you have like dimensions of, like more than twenty it just says like twenty plus so then like I look at my phone right. and I'm like Jesus I'm like this really took off last night like it was kind of yeah sorry I, you no no I was just gonna congratulate you you became a a, a legend for an entire night you yeah, became no. a storyline I mean, yeah I mean it was just it was just real you basically you re, you almost single handedly re sparked the feud between Alonzo Trier and Tim Hardaway well, I was gonna I was gonna say did you see his uh his comments at practice the next day Tim Hardaway yeah, no. juniors when they ran yeah. into him yeah that was the part that took me out because I, I <laughs> they had they had a couple like instances in that game like there was one particular instance when Trier didn't pass it to him when they had like a I think it was like a three on one. And, like, Hardaway got in his face a little bit. But, like, someone sent me the link of, like, Hardaway talking about this, like, like a journalist asked him about this. And that's, like, I'm, like, this has gone way further than I could have anticipated. And at that point, I was actually hoping that, like, it wouldn't lead to, like, I didn't want, like, Tria to get in like, trouble or anything for this. Like, I didn't want him to get fined. Like, I, again, I just thought this was funny. And I didn't think, pe- like, people would run with it. Like, people, like, asked me if I was doing it for, like, followers and that type. No, like, I just thought... Like a professional basketball player DMing me, like minutes after they just lose a tough game, I thought that was hilarious, and I thought all the people would find it hilarious. But I wasn't like trying to get him in trouble. But I thought that part was hilarious. Like just like the thought of, like, Hardaway and like Trier, like a shooter, around, like talking about my tweet, was like just killing me. Did you, did you respond to Alonzo? No, I didn't. Like I wasn't able. Yeah, I wasn't no. able to respond to his DM. Like I don't know. Like, like. No, he didn't block me because I could still see his tweets, but I just wasn't able to respond. Mm -hmm. But again, I wasn't, like, trying to get into this feud, but I didn't really feel like having to explain, like, my tanking jokes. Like, I kind of thought, you know, like, the Knicks are, like, 10 in. Are you, 
Are you a known instigator, like, in the past? Like, have you – is this your first offense at going at Nick's Twitter and posting the jokes online? Uh-huh. Or have you gotten into any hot water with any players on the team? No, it's never this? happened. Not like this. But I, I do okay. – I've done these jokes for, like, ever. Because, again, yeah. like, it's just all you really have. Have you guys ever pissed anyone off from the team online? Uh... I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah, we can go all kinds of ways with this, but I guess directly on the New York Knicks. No, I never have. Uh, I, 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 I never at players. I just leave them alone. I don't believe in it. I hate when, like, people tag, like, if I say something and someone tags a player, I tell them once not to do it, and if they ever do it again, they get blocked. I, it's just not my, I don't tag them good, I don't mm. tag them bad. I just leave them alone. Yeah, I don't. I've never had an issue with the with the player. I don't not online. I, there was that incident with Ronnie Turioff from 2010. Right, that, I was gonna say I was kind of more did, just baiting you on to get the Turioff. <laughs> no, no, there yeah, that was. Uh, I just re- real quick the the expedited version. I, I thought for whatever reason because him and Amari were uh, teammates, new teammates, that it would be funny to bring up to Turioff who was seated next to Amari, um, or just kind of remind him that. The season before, he got absolutely posterized by Amari. And uh, don't know why I thought it was going to get a laugh from everybody. Uh, it got a laugh from, like, Wilson Chandler and Amari. Uh, but Turioff just, like, deadpan me and still signed my jersey. Uh, he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have. And uh, He signed your signed jersey. He did. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he was not happy about it, but he did it. Good man. Good man. So... That's it. That's the only like incident that I have. Xavier, like the entire Knicks team was definitely talking about something you did. Yeah, no, that that was the part that that really took it over for me. Like the being mentioned in like a whole bunch of articles was pretty funny. Like again, I had like he called on Twitter. Called, he called you a nobody. That was funny. Too. Yeah, that, yeah, that was funny. And like, I mean, in the scheme of things, like I guess he's not wrong. But again, like I wasn't <laughs> being serious. Like I thought it was like very clear that I was joking. But yeah, I mean. Uh, this, would you consider yourself the turning point of this season? Um, I mean, do you consider this act of, of uh, this act of fandom or whatever you may call it here? Is this is this the thing that will bring the Knicks more wins? Yeah, eventually? I mean, it hasn't panned off. So it hasn't, far. but they've looked like a little better defensively recently. So maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah Trier's been looking good since then. Yeah, he has been. But yeah, I mean, yeah, all of this was funny, but I'm glad it didn't lead to like anything serious. Like I thought, I was just about the jokes. Um, and again, yeah. I didn't know those guys were tagged in it because, like Brian was saying, I'm not super big into like tagging athletes into stuff. Like I'll like quote, like quote retweet them, but I don't usually like directly at them. Like neither good or bad, honestly. So like I didn't. I get. Well, you seem, you seem to have a talent for this. Do you think you could maybe uh, like influence uh, someone like Ennis Cantor? I've been. Yeah, <laughs> uh, potentially how to treat his situation. I've been quote retweeting cancer for ages. Like, like, <laughs> like if this kind of thing happened, I thought it would have been cancer because I've been killing cancer basically since the summer. Like, every time he tweeted during the summer, I was telling him to opt out. <laughs> and then, like recently, with everything that's been going on, like I've said less than great things. So, like, I, if he, so you're just you're just like a blank opt out guy. It doesn't matter what the what the, his content he's putting out. Whatever kind of it doesn't matter if he's posing with eighteen. Hamburgers. Oh yeah. You're just going to comment. Yeah, like, I don't follow him, so, like, I don't seek it out. But whenever he was tweeting during the summer, if it, like, flashed across my timeline, I was just begging him to opt out. Dude, I've been BSing with you on Twitter for a long time. This is the best. I I can't believe out of all people this was you. I was so happy. (laughs) 
Yeah, I yeah, no, it was just really funny. Once I saw like I can't remember who retweeted, but I saw someone who had like a pretty decent following retweeted, and that's when I'm like, ah, this could get like really out of hand. Yeah, I retweeted you from uh, the Knicks Wall main account. Yeah, yeah. And then like I went, and then I went to bed, and then when I woke up, I'm like, yeah, now this definitely makes sense. Because when I like I looked at like the people who retweeted, I'm like, I could see how like it like really went that far. But no, it was it was funny. But yeah, I, I didn't expect this from Trier. So, Xavier, do you have any? Do you have any? Uh hot predictions you want to put out for the rest of the season do you have any plans for the for watching the Knicks for the rest of the season any coping mechanisms you want to tell uh everyone listening about um I mean I'm going to continue to get the jokes off um I'm going to pay a little more attention to see if the Knicks are like tagging people in their like end game tweets um but yeah I mean I'm I'm just going to still do the same thing I always did which is try and cope with just this very very bad team um, as best as I possibly can. Um, and yeah, like, I love the Knicks. I always love the Knicks. And all of this is, like, funny. So, like, if we're not going to win, like, it has to be, like, entertainment somehow. So, the, it's, yeah. Exactly. So, like, I'm just going to get these jokes off. Like, you can see that, like, tonight, again, like, I watched the game. Like, you can see that there are flashes there. You can see how this will work in the future. Um, but right now, they're just a very bad basketball team. And as long as that's the case, I'm going to cope with it as best as possible. And for me, that's just tanking jokes. Then I did it with the Jets, and I ended up with a franchise quarterback. So, you know. <laughs> Shout out, Darnold. Yeah. So, nah, these things could change very quickly. But, yeah, I'm just going to get these jokes off. And if people can interpret tone and that type of stuff, then that's on them. But I just find all of this stuff, like, very funny. But I don't do it for, like, particular attention or anything. I just yeah. got to get these jokes off. Did anyone else try and get to you or to talk about it or, like, any of the beat writers reach out to you or anything? Um, They might have. But, honestly, I kind of just stopped checking my mentions for a little bit. So, like, I didn't, I mean, I didn't see anyone, and I didn't get any, like, DM requests, and I figured, like, if they really wanted to reach out to me, like, they would have, like, you know, like, DM'd me. Um, but then, again, I didn't want it to also be, like, people think that I was, like, seeking attention or anything, you know what I mean? Like, I thought it was funny, I'm glad other people found it funny, but, like, I didn't want to be, like, going around, like, oh, like, I'll come talk to you about this. Like, I just thought it was funny, and, like, it got out of hand, but, again, it was just really funny. But, no, nah, no one else is, like, contacting me about anything. Thanks for coming on with us. Appreciate no, no problem. Thanks, Harry. Yeah. We, uh, you keep getting those jokes off. We will uh, bring you back on if we need some more jokes spun around here. But until then, keep getting them off, and hopefully we get a couple more storylines out of you before the end of the season. <laughs> no, that'd be great. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. miss uh jared hamburg's recap of the Knicks heat game that just wrapped up that's over at the nextwall.com and you can find it tweeted out at the next wall as well uh we're gonna get a little bit more into that game on our Knicks tape segment now but before we do that uh the Knicks and the nets played on friday night it was another loss for the Knicks. uh it's been a little bit since we've gotten the win in here uh but we're starting to see a couple of trends develop some good some not so good <laughs> Uh, Brian, Kyle, I'll let you guys decide who wants to go first here, but what, uh, what have you guys started seeing since the Nets game? Maybe a little bit that's bled into tonight, but what, what, what do you guys want to go into here? Um, I thought Knox has been having a couple of really tough games here tonight. He, the Nets game too, but tonight he, he really struggled. Um, he was really matched up against Winslow and, um, Richardson 
for parts of the night, and he just had a really difficult time. And in Brooklyn, uh, he had seven points, four rebounds, a couple of steals, but two of 11 shooting, 0 for 4 from deep. Um, he's just not feeling it right now. And I think um, Stefan Bondi tweeted out his stats over the last five games as I filibuster to them. I got him in front of me. So last five games, 25% from the field, 18% from three, 7.2 points, 4.4 rebounds. Yeah, and he really, I wouldn't say he was like off track before the Philly game. I think he cooled off a little bit, but he wasn't, you know, ice cold like this. And then he obviously went off, you know, for the the, the Sixers game. And uh, since then, it's just been not good, you know, to put it lightly. Kyle, so the last 10 games, 34% from the field, 27% from three. Last 15 games, 36% from the field, 30% from three. Really? Things kind of bad for a minute now. But what was at least like his free throw rates? His free throw, he was getting to, so last 15 games, he was getting there, three, 3.5. Last 10, 3.1. Last five, 1.2. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's what it accentuates it. Because like, if you're hitting a, at least a couple of shots, and then you're at least getting to the line like four times. Like it, it, it supplements the night. It, it lessens your your terrible night when you get those free points and when, when you don't get to the line almost at all. When he was he was pretty aggressive all of December too. That was a big a thing I felt, and um, he just hasn't been that guy, I guess, especially not the last five games. So that's unfortunate. I, I'm hoping it's just a quick little slump. I don't want to read too much into it yet. Uh, especially after the December that we had, and that, but um, I, I'm hoping he just kind of starts to come out of it. Uh, he, he is still pretty young. It, it is the NBA. Uh, it's hard to stay consistent. So, I, I, are you seeing anything? I think uh, everything that he does has to work off his jump shot because his skill level with his handle isn't and finishing near the rim isn't where it needs to be yet. So he has to work off of his quick catch-and-shoot jump shots, and when that's going in, it can kind of open up some stuff up for him because he can do a little bit more straight-line drives. And right now, since he's not making the three, it makes everything really, really difficult for him. And you said he's, what is he, 13 of 51 over the last five? I would bet my entire house that those 13 shots are floaters. Um, yes. I, I feel like I feel like he's definitely made the floaters in the last five games, and he's made nothing else. I'm right there with you, because I feel like that's it's definitely a thing. Because I feel like in, in the the Nets game, he had a, at least one floater. I think there was two. Today he uh, won, and I just feel like all all he's done, like the floater, I think he's actually gotten down. At the beginning of the year, he couldn't hit the floater. And I think the, I, I have checked zero numbers. I have nothing to back this claim up. I just solely off of my gut, I think uh, he has a strange increase in floater percentage over the last two months. But that's neither here nor there. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just I, I hope he comes out of it. He was looking really good for a while. I was feeling good about things. Uh, just he can't hit anything right now. On the positive end of what's been happening with some of the Knicks' young players, Frank Natelkina, who's been... I'm so bad at pronouncing his last name, Jesus. What did you just say? 
I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. Do, do you don't, you don't, don't, don't even, don't even consider the tea. You don't even look at the tea. As you, as yeah, you forget say. the tea. It's a. It's a. Long oh, long. Just think, Neil, E. Kina. That's it. Neil Kina. Worst. We're gonna go. We're gonna bury Neil Kina out there with Trier. <laughs> I'm worse at Clyde at pronouncing names. That's so. That's such a bad <laughs> quality to have. Oh, do I actually have to talk about what I was going to talk about now? Oh, yeah. No, you're not off the hook. Because, <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, jokes are greater than facts, but we got time. Here. All right. Well, Frank's been a lot better recently. And the last two games, unfortunate circumstances in each case. In the Nets game, he had four points, four rebounds in the first quarter, but got into foul trouble. This game, he had six points, three assists, two rebounds in the first quarter. And then he got a groin injury. I think both games, Fizdale was probably planning on playing him upwards of 30 minutes. And as he should be, because Frank's team impact is starting to show up in a very, very positive way. So over the last five games as a team, the Knicks have a negative eight net rating. When Frank's been on the court, the last five games, they're a plus 12 net rating, 113 offensive rating, 101 defensive rating. That's in about 20 minutes. He's played some time with starters and some time against the bench. Last 10 games, so it's not just a smaller sample size. In the last 10 games, the Knicks have a negative 9 net rating. When Frank is played, they have a negative 3 net rating. So for the first time this season, we're starting to see him stack a, cons- a, a good chunk of games together where even if those scoring numbers aren't there, that he's positively influencing how the team is playing. And that's a change from earlier in the year. His team numbers were actually quite bad for most of the season. And now it's just starting to shift. So we also just quick to kind of transition to, uh, into the game against the heat as well. You know, we're talking about all this right now, but Frank Diokina is, uh, didn't finish the game. He played a really nice first half. Uh, but he has a groin injury right now that we don't have a lot of information about, and that's, you know, that's that's really disappointing because you're right. He like he has been playing very well in the last couple of games, and even when he's not scoring, which we do need him to do, he's not off the hook for that. But even when he hasn't been scoring lately, he has been definitely impactful, and it's really hard to deny that at this point. Uh, but now that he's injured, it's really unfortunate because this seemed like it, it was a great opportunity. With Moutier being out of the lineup for a couple, uh, you know, a couple of weeks, it really seemed like it was a chance for Frank to be able to come in and, and secure at least, you know, some kind of confidence amongst the amongst the team, amongst the fan base, and everybody. But you know, we're hopefully not going to be able. We're not. We're hopefully not going to have to wait too long to see him back out there. I think all of Frank's problems can be, and this is. Uh, me trying to be as reductionist as possible to try to solve the issue. But I think obviously half of it is his confidence. And I think the other half is just not being in the right, like not being at least given, like instilled the confidence from his coaching staff and the position that he wants to play, which is point guard. And I think when he has the confidence in himself and they actually put him in the right spot, like saying, hey, he's going to be the backup point guard, like he's going to, you know, get that time at that position. I think that's when you start to see the player that we want to see. And he's at his best when he has that confidence because then he starts doing things all over the place and he starts balancing the stat sheet a little bit. And then 
He just looks like he moves fast yeah, at those points. Like he just looks like he thinks fast. Yeah, exactly. And he's just kind of playing and he's just free out there versus, you know, just trying to get up the court and stand in the corner and, and play a slightly off ball role and that's when he starts thinking too much. But um and again, we have seen him struggle with the ball too. So I'm not trying to romanticize it. He's you know, he has his it's well documented with that. But tonight it just looked like the same thing we saw in the Brooklyn game before he had the foul trouble is he was just, you know, in passing lanes, breaking up passes. He just felt like he was really in the flow of the game tonight uh, with, with the assist again, I think he had four. Um, I think everything was in the first half for the most part outside of one assist and I think one steal. And I think he should have another steal. I didn't give him credit for because I think Knox and uh, Von Ley turned the ball over or forced the turnover. But, um, but either way, like he had a really nice first quarter and, and the offense was humming and, and they were getting up and down the floor and, um, that's to me when he's at his best. And again, I don't want to like oversimplify it too much because you can't do that with any sport, especially with prospects like this, but that's what I feel. So look at the last, if you give me two seconds, if you, his last two games he's played, I'm going to read off a bunch of numbers right here because there's something else to show with uh, what he's been doing in the last five games, but he's played 24 minutes in the last two games. He has, 10 points, three steals, a block, nine assists, six rebounds, and is five for 11 from the field. That's really fucking good. It is. This is what I was telling you in the, the Slack chat. After the This is like minutes before they said he wasn't coming back for the rest of the game. All I said to you was, you know, after I've been slamming him for weeks on here, and all I said was, if he does nothing else with his box, uh, with his box score stats, and only gets two more buckets. So if he would have just finished with ten points, you know, two or three rebounds, four or yeah, four assists and a steal, I would have been thrilled. Like that's how low the bar is for him to be successful with the defense. Like that's the most frustrating thing. Is like it's right there. It's like that extra layup and a couple of free throws that make all the difference. At, at least in in terms of seeing that first stride. You know, we obviously want more than ten points and a couple assists, but. That that first drive from you know as a six six point per game two assist point guard who who can't shoot worth you know anything um, to then grow to be okay now he's in double digits he you know he's starting to find guys a little bit better get into a rhythm shoot a little bit better like that's all that I want to see it it really isn't asking for a lot and I think if they're gonna I'm gonna assume he's gonna be pretty you know healthy pretty quickly um, but. You know, if they really are going to give him the backup point guard thing like this, I I would expect him to have games like this. That that's just my expectation. I was a second year player; he should start taking strides. Like this is the guy that I want to see consistently. So, so outside of the last two games, the shooting still hasn't been good recently. And in those five games, it's a, it's a good chunk of minutes he's playing twenty point eight minutes a game. As I said, the twelve net rating. So, how is that happening despite him? having a 31.4 true shooting percentage during those games. His assist percentage is 28.2. That's very high. His assist to turnover, 3.14. And his TO, so his turnover rate is only 10.9. And that's with him Mm. playing point guard that entire time. And he's also grabbing 10%, uh, 10.6. His defensive rebound percentage is 10.6. So he's pretty much doing something positive in every area of the game. Besides, when do, how far back? Are you that's going the last on that? five games at twenty minutes per game. Okay, 
Like that's legitimately okay. good for in capital. Yeah, that's that's a decent sample too. I mean, like you know, for just kind of like showing how he's improved the last couple of games. And it's something we were talking about recently that you know he looks like he's moving the ball a little bit more out there. And you did see he had that what like six assists, no points game out there. And and we were definitely arguing that he. He made an impact out there. He's seeing ways that he can make an impact out there. And I know that the scoring hasn't come along yet, and I know that that still has to come along again. Like, he's not excused for that. But, you know, while we're developing him, anywhere that he is able to improve how he can impact the game out there is, you know, we just have to let him work into that and let him pull it off because he hasn't done anything up to this point. So, uh, you know, th- that... Those percentages are obviously going to fall a little bit more, but you know, up until this point when he's gotten hurt, it's it's been a good couple of games for him, and he scored okay in this game too. Like, if he could have had a couple more minutes out there before he got hurt, if he could have played through the second half, like he could, we could have been talking about a pretty good Frank game tonight. Um. All right. Well, we have we have a couple other points to talk about on the Heat game. Uh, but before we do, we should probably just address what happened in that game. Uh, the Knicks ended up falling to the Heat, 106 to 97. It was the Knicks had the lead again for a little while, and the you know at halftime and it, another slow third quarter, kind of the, they blew it there. Uh, a lot, lots to talk about with individual players. Obviously, we mentioned before that Cantor didn't get into the game. Neil Kina got hurt after only 15 minutes, but. Um, do you, I have one player in particular that I wanted to talk about tonight. Um, do you guys want to talk about anybody before I get into Damian Dotson, or are, you, are we good to go? Yeah, roll with Dotson. All right. So Dotson, I thought, had a very up-and-down game tonight. Uh, played 26 minutes. That was his most in a little bit. He went 5-for-9 from the field. He scored 14 points. 2-of-5 uh, from the free-throw line. Two of five from the three-point line, and it, it was it was at least good to see Dotson get good minutes in scoring tonight. Um, I wanted to read you guys some stats that I saw from Dotson because he's been really intriguing me. I guess since the calendar year turned over, it just seemed like his game had he really just kind of sunk into the background after seeming like he was going to make an impact, you know, earlier in this year and trying to get into the rotation and everything. So uh, I kind of took a look at some of his scoring numbers. Earlier this year, from October 17th to December 12th, he was scoring 11.1 points a game. 46.4 field goal percentage, 37.3 from three. Uh, His offensive rating was 104, 106.4 defensive rating, and he played 26.4 minutes a game. Um, I should also mention here a little interesting to look at, he took his two points taken or field goals from two point range were 57% and he scored 26 his points off a of mid rangers. And that's important. After that, from December 19th to January 26th. So coming into this last game, he was down from 11 points to 6.5 points. His field goal percentage was down from that 46 to 36%. His three point percentage was actually up a little bit at 38%. Uh, his offensive rating fell a lot. Obviously, the whole team's did. It was at 99. Then it was 111 defensive rating. Uh, still played almost the same amount of minutes a game. He was three minutes less. Uh, but here's where it's interesting. So 
His field goal attempts from two-point range were previously at a 57% clip. Now it's down to 47%. And the amount of points he was scoring off of his mid-range two-pointers is down from, uh, was it 26% down to 12%. So, like, the big takeaway here is that Dotson's scoring really fell uh, for the last couple of weeks. And it seems to be the thing that's disappeared from his game are his, like, mid-range twos. But he hasn't supplemented that scoring from anywhere else, so... I mean, I guess when it comes down to it, I'm, I'm curious where do you guys kind of place Dotson after he had kind of an okay game today, moving forward in the rotation. He's obviously got some questionable shot selection, and when, he's taken out, when he takes those shots out, he's not really hitting too many other sh- points. So I guess what, what is the ideal role for Dotson to try to fit into moving forward? I think coming off the bench, but I, I just think he's got to play like 15, 20 minutes a night. I mean, he's around a solid amount. He's he's averaging in the games that he gets into. He's averaging you know around twenty four minutes a game. It's just it's his shots like his shot selection. I think could be the biggest weakness of his sometimes. I think that's what can get him into the most trouble. I was gonna say the only time I really see him, the biggest deficiency I see with his shot selection is he's he's a really pure jump shooter. Like when he shoots, he likes to get his feet set, and you know he's a good catch and shoot guy too. But he seems to get really excited when screens are set for him because, like, when he's the ball handler. And um, he doesn't like to drive and attack when the screen is set. He likes to just come around it and, with that couple of feet of space, take the shot. And I've seen him kind of, like, rush those. Like, he, he tries to sprint around the screen, like, as quick as he can to set his feet and shoot. And sometimes he's been off balance or fading in, uh, you know, in any direction. So that's the biggest problem that I saw, which, like, it's more so the timing than the actual selection of it. And, and yeah, like he takes a couple like little pull-up threes, like the, the Tim Hardaway Jr. stuff sometimes. But to me, the that's what I noticed um, over the last three or four games. It seems like when he gets in, he's just kind of trying to rush what the plan is. Like he's, he already is going to get that look off clean, and it just seems like he's trying to force the issue a little bit. I have two things. I think big picture, one thing that's impacting him on this team is – He's a guy who has to play off others, and the Knicks just don't have those shot initiators right now that can put him in the right position and get him those clean looks. Uh, Secondly, specifically on the Heat game, I thought this was the best game he's played in a very long time. I thought he was awesome. His defense was solid, did a nice job on Wade, and then offensively, he hit some good, he hit a couple threes. If he would have made his free throws, he was two for five from the free throw line. He could have had even more points. And then once Frank got hurt in the second half, they played pretty poorly when Burke was in. But when Trier and Dotson were basically the two point, the two guys sharing point guard responsibilities, I thought he did a really solid job settling them down. And he wasn't necessarily making any fancy plays, but he was making some simple reads, and the offense had a better flow to it than when Burke was controlling things. I, I was very happy with his performance tonight. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about in the Heat game tonight? No, that I think we hit on Tim, uh, Timmy playing well again. He's finding his game again. That's good. We kind of talked about that last time. So we, we don't I, I really, I really hope like we find out it was the injury. I really hope that was a thing. Six six foul shots again tonight. Starting to, it seems like he's starting to get more aggressive going to the basket again, right? It looked like it. Well, I mean, in in the Brooklyn game, he didn't do uh, a ton. And it, when he did, he was attacking. So, I mean, that's 
that's kind of what I mean. I was taught growing up with basketball. Like if you can't get your jumper to go, like if you're if you're off, which he was certainly off, um, go to the rack, try to get foul, try to get something going, see the ball go in on a layup. Like, and that's what I thought he's been trying to do a little bit more lately, which is nice. Yeah, look, the last four games, six free throws, five free throws, nine free throws, six free throws. Outside of the neck game where he just couldn't hit a shot, uh, 22, 21, 23 on 14, 16, and 16 shots. So that's the type of production you need out of it. The problem is he can't start games shooting threes and then try to work the ball in. Like he needs to start games in attack mode, like try to work the ball in, get the ball to the rim. And then start shooting threes, and things are going to start opening up for him. And then his teammates, we saw with the assist tonight, too. I think he had four or five. So we've seen, like, games the last couple of weeks where he just comes in and starts hoisting up threes. And I think those are the games that he struggles in. Again, I have nothing to back this off. I don't know how you'd ever measure the stats for that kind of a thing. But it seems like when he attacks early and he knows he's going to get to the free throw line and he knows he's going to get to the rim, um, that he has his better games. Are you tapping on your no. microphone? I heard that too. Sounds like something's happening. I, I told you there's there's ghosts. That ha- a weird thing happened last week. Anthony doesn't believe me. He thinks I made. We were doing a recording, and I promise you, Anthony wasn't even talking. We were just. It was a weird gap moment. And in my headphones, I very heard clearly heard like a muffled like "Hey Kyle," and then I looked at Anthony because we had the video up, and I said, "Did you just say something?" And he said, "No," and then I freaked out because I it it happened. It happened. So uh, there's weird things. There's possibly ghosts here. So um, just so you know, just getting it all out there. Well, well, now that Kyle's uh, house is haunted, <laughs> uh, I could tell all. I could tell all of our listeners out there one place that's not haunted. It's the nextwall.com, and it's not even just the nextwall.com. It's the nextwall on on Twitter. It's the nextwall on YouTube. It's the nextwall on Twitch. It's the nextwall. On, are, are we anywhere? Facebook, Instagram. That's just Nick's wallet on Instagram. But, uh, folks, it's all Nick's content there. It's all the good stuff. It's all the greatest uh, content providers, writers, designers, uh, you know, folks of all kinds creating content for you, video makers. That's not what they're called, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, and the best thing of all, it's not haunted. Unlike Kyle's crickety, rickety, Dog-filled house. Haven't even heard the dog tonight. Haven't even Not heard the dog tonight. You know why? We're just hearing ghosts. Tapping on the microphone. Saying hi to Kyle. Maybe it's just the FBI, man. You know, it, it, it most likely is. A law-abiding citizen here. Yep. Oh, Kyle... <laughs> Definitely not uh, embezzling. In the definitely not embezzling. Definitely not. No. I would never, um, never do one collar definitely... crime. Gonna get my money's worth of going. Never. The Knicks definitely are playing uh, a couple of games in the next few days. Before we talk to you again, the Knicks will be playing at the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, before they come back home, they'll be playing at the Dallas Mavericks on Wednesday the 30th. Uh, they're gonna be, oh, I'm sorry, that's at Madison Square Garden. They'll be playing against the Dallas Mavericks on Wednesday the 30th. Uh, game against Boston on Friday the 1st. They'll be playing Memphis next weekend, too. Let's start with Monday's road trip down to Charlotte. Uh, Kemba Walker, known nemesis of the Knicks, New York native, loves to play against the team. Um, 
if we don't have Frank Nielakina, which is looking like we may not, uh, it seems like it's going to be just uh, Alonzo Trier and Trey Burke up against him. But thankfully, Dotson's showing uh, you know to have some good defensive ability lately. Lately, like we were just talking about, so I trust him against Walker. Is there anything else you guys are looking for in that game? Any other matchups that you think could prove to be pretty effective for the Knicks? Yeah, I mean, I think Kevin Knox has to get back on track. Um, I, I know that Michael Kidd Gilgris is there, and the only thing that he is good at and has ever been good at is defense. So uh, when he's matched up against Knox, I think that's, that'll be interesting. But, you know, there's also older guys like Batum and, and the nature like that. So I think he's going to be... You know, I'm just hoping for a comeback. I don't know if he's going to have a good game, but this has got to end. I I keep thinking about the 13 for 51. It's bothering me. I'm just look. I got distracted while you were saying that. I was looking at the schedule and just all of the red on there. From it's like- it's so it's a bloodbath. <laughs> I had I have a really inappropriate joke in my head, but I'm not going to say it. Save it for Twitter, obviously, that you have no the, uh, no filter on there. Not tweet, so. I wouldn't even tweet this one out. Can you can you text it in our Slack chat? Because I, yeah. I can't not know now. I will. I'll, I'm doing it right now. Okay. Um, do you, I mean, all right. If we, got, if we got no rational takes for the next couple of games, can we get some hot takes at least? Brian, do you have any hot takes for the, the game against the Hornets? You, what, like, My hot take is, some, I just like, want to watch the Knicks win a fucking game. I don't... Do you, is it a hot take to say that the Knicks No, I just want to watch them win. Like, I'm frustrated, <laughs> I'm exhausted, I'm tired. I just want to, I want to watch them win a game. Okay. Me too, man. It's been a while. It, I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm there. Well, that's I'm why at you. the beginning of the pod I brought up the... Um, the I, I played with KP on 2K and it was a lot of fun thing. Like I, I miss I miss knowing like we have a guy who could win us games. Like I wish I wish knowing as I sit down to watch this game tonight, the Knicks have an equal chance of winning the game or close. Like I miss knowing we're going to be in the game and should win the game. Like I those aren't feelings that we've had since KP went down. And the lights at the end of the tunnel. He's he's healthy. We know that right now. Um, not healthy enough to return, but rehabbing back like it, it we're almost there it's just it's tough it's a really long season and when there's this much bad basketball despite the kids showing some promise like it is tough and it wears on you so uh oh do we mention the the carmelo thing just at all he, he was at the garden tonight so uh he came to watch Dwayne wade play possibly his last game at the garden i think the heat of one more trip uh if if we plays we don't know but um yeah i mean yeah it's just always such a treat to see mellow i mean like we were kind of talking about it earlier but i will always cape for carmelo anthony i I just i frankly do not care at this point kyle did you know anyone who was at the game or anthony did either of you know anyone who's at the game tonight no. Was it Heat fans cheering for Wade or Knicks fans cheering for Wade? I have no. I, the way the way the broadcast made it sound was because I didn't know anyone th- there. Um, I, I think it was mostly Heat fans and then some Knicks fans just paying respects. Oh fuck! I, I know. 
I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it wasn't very, it wasn't very clear. I, I think there was one section that I saw on Twitter from someone who was at the game that was cheering, but I, I don't know. I'm not really sure what happened. You cannot show respect to the person who threw Mike Bibby's shoe. This is true, and, and people forget about that. I will say, uh, at least Melo got a very nice ovation. I was a little bit worried, but um, they gave him a really nice hand, and he said some, you know, he was very happy and receptive of it, and then uh, he had a sit-down interview with Rebecca Harlow of MSG Networks, and he said a lot of nice things. He said, this is home. You know, I'm home here. My family's from here. You know, you know, like this is where he always wanted to be, basically. So uh, it's nice as things are kind of coming to an end. Um, you know, you, no matter where he signs in the next week or two, you know, his, his career is kind of coming down to an end. So it's kind of nice that the fans at him are uh, on the same page and there's not some sort of drawn out BS between them. So I, I enjoyed seeing that today. He was not happy to be there, though. Like you could tell, like not not so much as far as like what the Knicks con- could control, but like, I mean, he said like he's not going to NBA games right now or anything like that. He you know he said, you know, obviously this is something special for you know for me to go out to an NBA game right now. I got to come see Dwayne, but you know he he seems to be very uh, he seems to have a certain grudge against the NBA for what's gone on with them this season or so. But um, I mean, he's trying. Yeah, Carol. I mean, hope, hopefully, see him. He should What's try that? not being bad at basketball if he wants to play in the way he wants to. I look, love. Look, listen, listen, listen. He is in year sixteen. I mean, he. It is. This is what happens. Everybody should know this. I think he knows this. I don't know that he does. I agree with you that it's not a big deal, and it's just where we are at this time. But he really stinks. I just wonder how much of it is like, and, and I and I don't think he gets enough credit for the Rockets situation. Uh, not that he was playing particularly well, but they basically brought him in to play like a sixth and seventh man, and um, almost immediately guys were injured and he had to play big minutes and then start games. So like he finally agreed to do the bench thing that everybody complained he never agreed to do. And then immediately his role got expanded, and then he was starting games again. And then, like, a week later he was cut. Like, unofficially, but he was cut, you know? I know, I, I honestly didn't really understand the whole, like, why Melo and the Rockets didn't really work out. But I also don't think I watched any games of it. It was, it was definitely like, a strange... It, it, you could see why it wasn't working, but... I just didn't like guys were injured to start the. It just it all seemed very strange to me. I was like, I, I thought they would have given it more time, but um, I stand by. I don't know where he's going to go now because I thought if it if he was going to go anywhere, it was going to be with you know Chris Paul. He's going to play off the bench, off the ball, and it was going to work out. And they nixed that immediately. So I, I don't know. Maybe he goes to LA with LeBron. I, mean, I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I think he he's going to sign with the Lakers. I'd like to see like, that. This is kind of just. Like we're, it's gonna happen though, right? I'd bet. I'd bet. I'd bet on it at this point. I don't know where else he'd go. He's obviously not coming back to the Knicks. Um, I I don't. I I think it's kind of the Lakers are bust at this point. Well, can I leave? I'm glad that the. Can I leave our 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 follower uh, listeners to a a cryptic 
end here to a tweet we just got at the Knicks wall? Sure, yeah, that sounds like a good way to oh, okay. wrap up here. Okay, so uh, everybody's on their, their cancer kick here. So from Friday's game, I tweeted the video of the We Want Cancer champ breaking out of Barclays with Cantor's reaction. And uh, I just got this very cryptic quote tweet which said, uh, from somebody who's Turkish in Turkey. Uh, and the tweet says, We want Cantor to dot, 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 come to Turkey, dot, dot, dot. Oh, that's not cool, and I hate the guy. Like what? That's fucked up. Now, I, I, I don't know if that's just something getting lost in translation to uh, maybe someone whose English is their second language, but I don't I don't read that as any positive way. Well, yeah, we're, I'm just going to go ahead and leave that at that. So it, it seems like... Uh... Seems like we have some friends piping in our mentions. Stay so, cryptic. Uh, stay cryptic, I guess. If anyone else wants to come get cryptic in Please our don't. mentions. Please don't. Please uh, don't. Happier things. Happier at, things. At Kyle Maggio. Please don't. Uh, just leave yeah, me alone. Forward, forward all complaints to Kyle Maggio. Uh, that's what always happens anyway. That's always happening. Okay. Brian, Kyle, it's a pleasure as always. We'll all talk to you guys next week. All right. Take we're not next week. I'm sorry. Wednesday. Wednesday. It's Sunday.